Hey everyone, welcome to the show. This week's episode is brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. Brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY, and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. Rebecca Rouse, welcome to the show, darling. Thank you so much. It's so good to see you, always. I know. We had so much fun. I got to have you today on the Mental Health Monday, which was so fun. I got such good feedback about today. You have absolutely no idea. If you go back and watch you after you left, everyone and everything that they said about you. We had another person on. They loved you. Everyone loves you. People like... They genuinely were blowing up about you. That, that makes me so happy. I'm like, I'm so humble. Thank you. Hey, don't thank me. Thank the hard work and drive you have as a human being. I guess that's really kind of, just thank yourself, man. I'll give myself a little, one of these right here, a little pat, but Good. that's about it. Back but seriously, you, well, that's fine. You can do a little, then move on. I got you. Don't <laughs> listen. It's too much. You've already enjoyed it too much. It's I can't ever tell you good things anymore. Clearly you enjoyed it too long. Cut it off. How dare you? Huh? Anyway, they were amazing. They thought you were fantastic. They were blown away by your strength, but who you are as a human being and what you promote. And uh, I, I was just really happy to see that response. So obviously we knew we were having you on the show this afternoon. So we didn't want to get too in depth with it, but everyone is definitely really excited to hear your story, your background and everything about Semper Stronger, your family life, and really who you are as a human being, because you're such a freaking amazing example. So how do you want to start? Where are you comfortable starting? Because I know your whole life and I think it's fantastic, but how about you tell me where you want to start with this? Um, Typically when I get asked that question, it's I have to start from like a young age, age three for me was when I started gymnastics. And that was the springboard pun intended, got a little gymnastics pun, right. Um, to, to where I am now, it's just, I can't deny the, the huge role that the sport of gymnastics played on my childhood and then into adulthood. It's just, um, it's such a big positive influence on, on who I am. So that was my gymnastics journey started when I was, you know, tiny, barely could walk. And then I'm doing backflips and cartwheels and things. And, Um, but for me, it was a lot of that was the discipline that started, um, from such a young age. I didn't have like your typical childhood. And for me, it was in starting in elementary school, I started competing at age seven. So it was school, leave school. You know, I skipped the PE, I got PE exempt or whatever. So I could go to gymnastics practice practices, three and a half hours. I would come home, do my homework, eat dinner, shower, bed, rinse, repeat, and then competitions on the weekends. So that was my whole childhood pretty much all the way up until high school. 
Did you make that decision for that to be your childhood? Or was that more of like a family decision? Um, well, so I got into gymnastics because apparently at age two, when my parents put me in dance and ballet, I was very bored and I wanted okay. something more exciting. So they put me in gymnastics and like the kinder gym class. And then I it just progressed through the levels. And then around age six, it kind of, that's when the, the, the competition team would start to form. And, you know, the, at the beginning, it's everyone's doing the same routines. It's very, very elementary, but I started to, to enjoy it and I got better and better. And it just kind of, I think it was probably equal parts, my, my parents pushing me to, to pursue it, but I also loved it. And all my friends, because I spent so much time, the gym was my second home. Um, I, my teammates were my friends and I pretty much just saw my, my parents, my brother and my gymnastics teammates. And that was it. So that's, it's wild when you think about that at a young age, because there's so many sports that we talk about with, with kids that have um, such positive impacts on their life, whether it's because of discipline or they learn how to defend themselves in a way for the regular life. But either way, sport has such a massive impact on children and it can be utilized as a tool more than just, you know, this thing that we send them and take them to, but sports really do have a massive impact for you. Was it, was it the camaraderie you think you enjoyed and loved most, or was it the actual competition as an athlete? I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, gymnastics is a very individual sport. So, um, you know, I'm part of, I was part of a team and I had my teammates, but at the end of the day, when we go to competitions, it's, it's me versus me. Um, and, you know, there, we're not competing on as a group. Like there were, there were teams we would go, go representing our gym and we would be there with our teammates, but the, the routines are all individual. The awards are individual. And so, um, I think the, the competitive drive was there for sure. But then I also enjoyed my teammates and the girls, you know, they were my best friends, my teammates, and, um, a, basically a second family outside of my own family. We, you know, went through all the struggles together and growing up as a, a, girl and becoming a young woman at the same time, like that has its own host of challenges. So you can imagine no. not becoming a teenage hormonal thing. There's no, no there's no struggle in that. None. It's uh, it's wild because I, I know that there's massive differences. Well, at least it seems like there's quite big differences between, um, female and male gymnastics at a young age and what age that really starts to get serious. It feels like it's much younger for women than it is for men. I think so. Honestly, I don't, we had both. There was a men's team is much smaller. It's definitely not as popular of a sport for men as it is for women. So I, I can't really say for sure. Um, it seems like I know, I know for my husband, when he was competing in that and he was getting to a higher level, it, it seemed like that was closer to maybe your 12, you're 13, but really I, I know I had a few friends that were younger females and they was like six, seven, we are crushing days in the gym. Yeah. And that is, that's where school happens as well. Yeah. I mean, the, for some young, young aspiring, you know, Olympians, they sometimes get taken out of school and they, they're homeschooled. They move wherever their coach is located. And like, that is their, like you said, that's school, that's life. That's everything. I was never that was not ever really my dream. I didn't necessarily have Olympic Olympic, you know, aspirations to go to the Olympics or anything like that. But, um, you know, I did want to have some semblance of a normal childhood and go to a, go to school with other kids. And, and I did, and I had, I had that, but it was the, the practices themselves were brutal at the last 30 minutes of most practices they'd call burnout. And it was just conditioning, like a million, just a million reps of body weight exercises until we, a lot of times until we were crying, it was brutal. And like, it was just, 
the mental and physical aspect. And, you know, I, looking back now, I think I, I appreciate it a lot. And back then I didn't really uh, enjoy it particularly, but um, I definitely built a good amount of resilience, mental toughness, and, and obviously physical strength. How was that for you in, um, impact wise on school and, and really what that environment is like? Um, I think the the competitive, it's hard to say which, you know, chicken or the egg, which came first, but because they were happening simultaneously, but I was also very competitive with myself mainly in school. Like I was always aspiring to get straight A's, take all the honors classes, AP classes and all that good stuff. So um, it was just, that was kind of how I lived every aspect of my life and and kind of still do in a way, um, but very like type A perfectionist, very structured, very like hard on myself. Um, and it, when I, as I got older, my parents were less hard on me and it was, ba- it mainly came from within. Like they were never telling me I had to get straight A's or I, they would ground me or if I, you know, for me, I, I would put that punishment on myself. If I got a B, I felt like it was end of the world. And so I was, I was that person. I was that student and and same thing with gymnastics. So I'm not good at failing. I still, it's still one of my biggest fears. Um, I'm working through it, but I think <laughs> That comes with, uh, you know, being a business owner, you inevitably, as you know, like there will be failures. So the more, the more I expose myself to that and put myself in positions to fail, like the, the less scary it becomes. And you kind of realize that, okay, it's not the end of the world. And there's always a lesson to be learned. And you're always going to come back stronger as long as you don't quit. Have your own show. That's how good <laughs> that was. Like Thanks. I took a drink of my water because I knew I could legitimately let that go. Cause that was fantastic. Thank you. But it's true. You're right. There is so much about um, sport. Like I love hearing when individuals talk about their background in sport and really what drove them to compete at the level they did or push at the level they did to really be that type of person. Because it really seems like it's a very specific type of person that can handle that type of environment and not crack under that pressure. And I do wonder how that, you know, helps people evolve as human beings and be fascinating to follow like, you know, I'm sure somebody's done a study because, I mean, we've been around, humans have been around long enough, but like really how sport has impacted the type of human being you become as a, as an older adult. And like, I want to say the success rate, but the, maybe the people that would have had their own company versus work for somebody else's company or tried to change something in some way, shape or form, it'd be really, you know, I'd be curious to see what that would look like. Um, but it's, it's, that's why I love hearing it because hearing it like from people like you, you know, who, who are successful in their life as adults and have gone through some things and have persevered, you can't help but think sport might have a, a major impact on just maybe like not the sport itself, but the environment, right? Yeah, um, totally agreed. Environment, and environment's so key. And for, for people like you who are in the gym and doing these types of really intense workouts around, I mean, we've had this discussion um, the environment you put yourself in is really important. It feels like, especially when going and lifting really heavy things for your own safety, the environment is important. Um, yes. when you, when you left the chat, uh, the mental health Monday live, somebody said, I had somebody at the gym. I said, can you spot me? I was doing like a 200 pound thing. And the gym mem- uh, the gym, one of the gym trainers looked at him and said, do what? He didn't understand what spot me meant. And he worked at the gym. And he worked at a gym. That's unacceptable on many levels, but that's like personal trainer 101, know how to spot somebody. And if you don't find somebody who can. I love, I love your reaction to that. It's <laughs> so disgusted by the things that just came out of my mouth. Ugh, I have strong feelings about what happens at a gym, but anyways, we could talk about that for 
for a long time. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Let me hear these feelings. Um, well, I mean, we talked about some of it earlier, but I think part of it, part of it, social media, I think has glorified these things that look cool for Instagram and aren't really fitness and, or aren't really helping anybody get better. I think people, a lot of people know what their goals are, but there's so much, it's just information overload of the best way to get there. The best fitness plan, the best nutrition plan, the best this, that, or the other. And everyone's got their anecdotal evidence of what's worked for them. But when applied to the masses, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily work. We are all individuals. There are many different ways to skin a cat. If someone wants to lose 10 pounds or wants to gain muscle, there, there are multiple ways of getting to that goal and they're all right. And like, potentially there's, I always say there's no such thing as a bad exercise. There's only a poorly prescribed exercise. So there's value to, I can think of few, if any exercises that don't have some sort of value, but is it the right exercise for you at this time for your goal? And do you know how to do it correctly? So I think, you know, that's one part of the conversation is like the social media influencing what we see in the gym and what people are doing um, to get to their goals. And then, you know, the, the environment inside the gym itself, um, like, you know, just that example that you gave of a personal trainer, not having a clue what they're doing, working at a gym, getting paid, being seen as a fitness professional who obviously isn't educated enough to execute basic tasks for the profession. And then that gives other personal trainers a bad name. And that's why, you know, I worked at a gym for, for six and a half years before I started my business. And, um, it was there, there's a lot of that, like, so a, few, a small group giving the rest of us a bad name because they didn't bother to take the time or invest the, the, the time, money, energy, whatever, into getting a proper education to be able to serve the population that they want to serve. So um, I think that's why it's important, as we talked about earlier, too, like doing if you're going to if you have a goal and you're not sure how to get there, hire a coach. It's you know, I'm I am a coach. and I have a coach and I've had a coach for the last five years because I think that that's not I don't think that, that that's above me uh, or that I'm above that. And so um I think it's important that people seek the guidance that they, that they want if they can't figure out how to get there on their own. The, the idea of individuals trying to achieve a goal as lofty as say, um, trying to get a high, uh, personal rep, was it PR? You guys call them PRs? I literally don't know. I want to make sure I'm not an idiot. Um, (laughs) but like that high, yeah, those high PRs, those like that, that comes with, stepping outside of your comfort zone and and being willing to take a risk on something. I can understand why somebody would be advised to have a professional around for that. I mean, that's the other thing uh, with sport. I mean, especially when CrossFit first came in, I think a lot of people were just getting hurt. Um, at least that's how I was getting the perception, you know, given to me, I was perceiving it, um, the information that was getting given to me at first, but then it seems like as it's grown and people have really taken on, um, health in a different way and their health and their personal responsibility to health. It seems like things like CrossFit and, and professional lifting and, uh, mobility is, is starting to really gain momentum in a way that I, I didn't see before. Where do you see yourself going with all of this? I mean, because you really went from, you know, we, we skipped a big chunk there, but you, you know, after being a gymnast and doing all those types of things, you really went from, you've been married a really long time. You've been married your whole life and had been married to a a veteran. You're married to an active military dude. I just don't even want to like put any sort of like, I don't, I don't want people to like talk about him or know his name or anything. Like I'm trying to be very respectful of that. The fact that he's still active duty. Um, but you've been married to somebody that's seen combat and done things before. And that's got to have its whole bag of things. So like, 
How do you handle that? And then also do what you do now. You're so compartmentalized. Um, yes. Yes and no. I think they, they feed off of each other. I think being a military wife, which we got married in 2015, so seven years now, um, you know, like you said, I got married young and I, I grew up basically with him by my side. And so I learned so much just throughout that journey of deployment and being alone and uh, figuring things out on my own. So that had its own challenges, but I, I'm certainly better for it. And learning how to be apart, learning how to be together and being adaptable to both scenarios, because we've had so much of that. I mean, we've been together as a couple for 10 years now, almost 11. And so, and during that time, I think probably half of that time we've been geographically apart, either by, because the military made it that way, or because we've chosen to for our own career aspirations or combination of the two. But um, so I think that, you know, there, there've been a lot of lessons learned there. And right now we, we, the business that, that I, that we run, we run it together. So, um, I mean, he's still active duty. So that's his full-time job for me. This Semper Stronger is my full-time job, but there's, I couldn't do it, what we do without him and the role that he plays. He does a, a lot of what he does on the back end because of what his specialties are, which is communications and it and like kind of the, the web stuff and graphic design. So, but we, the business could not operate without him. So, um, I think, you know, if zooming out the kind of the bigger picture there is just like as business partners, as a couple, there's, there's so much that, that goes together, but because of the, the situations that we've been in, um, there, we are both so very independent and good at what, in our own respects of, of what we do day to day in our, our life and our business and our fitness and, and everything. So, um, I think hopefully that answered the question that you were, you asked. Yeah. You got where I was going with it. Cause I wanted to lead into Semper Stronger and I wanted to talk a little bit about it, but I was trying to find a strategic way to go about it because you're also, I also want people to acknowledge, um, what that's like to be a military spouse of somebody who's, uh, been deployed and, and all of those, and, and all of those aspects, because I've had, I've, I've had the privilege of having people on who have, are, um, widows of, um, Navy SEALs and things like that. So like Sarah Wilkinson, you know, was, gave me such a great interview and I was so grateful for her vulnerability with me on that. But, you know, being a, being a spouse of that, it comes with its own, its own issues and its own things and its own way of life. And I don't know how comfortable you are kind of talking about any of that. Yeah. Any of them. We're pretty open about, about it. I mean, whatever questions you have or your listeners might be interested in knowing, I'm happy to talk about any of it. Yeah. So like moving in out of these bases and doing all these different types of traveling, like, is there any recommendation tips or tricks that you might have to help people when they're, you know, um, moving to a new base, like how, how to like properly make sure that they can communicate with that spouse, like those types of things. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of, I guess would depend on the, the base, the branch, the, the duty, the assignment, mm-hmm. all, that, all that good stuff. But I think, um, this probably goes for all military couples is like, be as a couple, like it shouldn't be a 50% plus 50% equals a hundred percent. Uh, I think the first and mo- most important thing is that each member of the partnership is a hundred percent, like certain of who they are, what they want, what's important communicates. More, I think above all communicates about what those things are and getting on the same page. Like it shouldn't be like if, if Joel goes away, um, I said his name, it's fine. Um, if he goes, <laughs> if he, it's not like he's in, you know, anything super top secret at the moment. But um, if he goes away, like I'm, I'm not 50% of me is not gone. I'm hundred percent. I'm me. He's him. And when we're together, we're, we're 200%. We're, we're awesome and even better together, but we can we're still, awesome. 
or can still function uh, apart. And so being really clear about who you are, what your goals are, what your values are as a couple and, and as individuals, I think that's really important. Have hobbies, have aspirations. If you work, you know, have a, a career that drive that, you know, gets you out of bed in the morning, because if, if you don't have those things, it can be really hard and, and really challenging. It's already hard enough, but to, to have things that get, make you want to get, get out of bed and, and put one foot in front of the other each day, um, whether that's family or a career or hobbies or all of the above, I think that's really important. And when Joel was gone uh, for me at the time I was working at a gym and the gym became my home away from home, the, the community there, the, my team, like they became my family and it was a big support system for me. And so having those different areas of life that, that provide that support, um, no, obviously no, there's no replacement for the person them himself, but um, to have those other, those other areas of life that, that can fill some of the, the void that's, that's missing. That's, that's great advice though. It's about finding a community really like going out and finding people that can help support you while you're needing that. Um, I like hearing how you talk about it. You're, you two are <laughs> together. You're 200% because that's a, that's a great thing. That's not a thing that we see a lot in the military. We see quite the opposite. And so it's always nice to highlight that when, when there's been success and you guys have been through a long period of time of deployments and those things, you know, kind of finding out those little, little things that you do that help keep, you know, a successful marriage together. And those are always welcomed pieces of advice. I think everybody has something they can take from that. Um, whether it's about finding the community for support when needed, or it's about finding, finding really what you are outside of a person, you know, and really what, what lies with that and your responsibilities in the marriage, I think is always great advice. Um, I never shy away from hearing how people are successful in long-term relationships because, you know, nowadays, like I said, with the military and, and others, it's just, I, people quit quite easily. Um, and I feel like that kind of is an example of where the world is at a little, um, where people feel like helpless or they just feel like they're in a, in a space where they need to restart because of COVID or however, everything just feels really unsettled. Um, so it's good to see that you guys have been able to find ways of coping with that, uh, over such a long period of time. Yeah. And what, one other thing, if I may add, I think of course. I, have to, I have to shout this out for, for Joel, because he's so good at it. Um, and I know this isn't necessarily the case with all service members, but uh, Marines, obviously, uh, U.S. Marines, I speak for them, uh, or not for them, but I'm speaking about, you know, specifically with Joel, like, the Marines are very proud. They're the few, the proud, right? The few, the proud, the Marines. And he is certainly that. He's proud to be a Marine. He is the once Marine, always a Marine type. There's no such thing as an ex-Marine because you are always that. Oh, but dear. one thing he really does well is not let the Marine Corps define like define him and he doesn't bring it home. So like, it's what he does. He puts that uniform on every single day. But when he, when it comes to our relationship, like the, the Marine Corps does not infiltrate every single aspect of our marriage, as I know, and I've seen that it, it can be that way. And so I have to give him a lot of credit on that front to, to be able to like, just be a guy with a life and hobbies and skills and, you know, emotions and, emotions. and just to, to be a human and to be, to be my, my husband. And so that's one thing he does really well. And I think that that also really helps. Uh, and, and that, you know, it can be challenging for other couples in which that's not the case because the Marine Corps and any military branch, I'm sure there's, it's hard to sometimes separate the two of just, you know, the identities because it, it's so, uh, it's such a powerful influence on, on the service member. 
So what do you see? So you've got, you've got somebody that's living really far away and you've got that aspect of life and he's there. And it sounds like, I think you were mentioning to me, he was coming back in the next, because this is something I love talking about. The reason I'm using your, your, your marriage as an example is the military loves to just like up and move people and think that there's no repercussions. And I know we all signed up for it. And I know that don't listen. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it is ruthless sometimes the way that they post out people. So I know you mentioned to me that you guys were going to be back sooner than later. Yeah. We see each other um, probably twice a month right now for like long weekends. Um, but we, we are in this situation because we, we decided to be, um, he's stationed elsewhere and we decided to build a house here in Texas. And because that was kind of our long-term and both of us are very, we, we make decisions rationally, not emotionally for the most part. And so we, we think long-term on most things. And so we knew that this was, this is where we wanted to be. He's going to retire in 2025, you know, considering the housing market and the state of Texas and, you know, all the influx people, it just made sense to do that now at the time when we made that decision, it was a 50, 50 chance, whether he was going to get stationed here or elsewhere. And of course, luck of would course. happen. It ended up being elsewhere, but it's fine. Like we've been through years and, and months of separation, geographic separation. And so we know how to handle it when those times do happen. And then it just makes those times that we get to spend together that much better. So, um, but right now it's, it's about, I'd say 10 out of every 30 days where we get to be together, which isn't as bad as it could be and as bad as it has been in the past. So God, you're such a positive person. It hurts. I try to be. I used to I not be. I used to be a hardcore pessimist, actually. Really? Let's get into that. <laughs> I really? Used, yeah. In high okay. school. Yeah. Was there a reason? Is there something I'm missing? Did something happen? Or no, you just hated the world? I don't think so. I can't even, I can't recall if there was like a specific moment. I think it just was a, maybe a product of how I grew up. I don't know. Not Nothing specific, but um I, my outlook on life, like at the time going through through high school and maybe even into college was expect the worst, because that way, if what you're expecting happens, you were prepared for it. And if something that's better than that happens, then it's all gravy, like life's good. So that I would just expect the worst always. And it's kind of a backwards way to like live and go through life. And it wasn't obviously very good for, for anything, but um I, I'm the opposite now. I'm definitely an optimist and I'm more of a realist, I'd say, but I definitely uh, have a different perspective on life now. What triggered that? Like what triggered you coming out of that? Um, I think some health issues that I had, I'm happy to talk about it if you want me to. Um, health issues, getting diagnosed with a chronic disease um, in 2009, that, and while well, in my first semester of college and then meeting Joel had a, a really, really big impact on me. Just he's five and a half years older. So, I mean, I feel like he, he was my husband as much as he was like somebody guiding me to, to into adulthood at the same time. So thank you for not saying father's age. Cause I was going to throw up. No, no, he just God. like, he was such a, a positive influence. And he had had so much more life experience than I had. I mean, he had been to Iraq and Afghanistan before I met him and you know, he was uh, in college, first year of college, because he went through the enlisted officer program. So he was coming to college after that. And I was, you know, just out of high school. So he was much older and much more experienced. So I learned so much from him and, and his network of Marine, like enlisted Marines that were going through the officer program at the same time, like that became my friend group. And I'm so grateful for that, because just seeing 
outside of the world, the little bubble that I grew up in and seeing other perspectives and other people who have been through way, way more extreme experiences than I had ever experienced myself. Um, I think a lot of that plus the health stuff that really kind of got me to change my perspective on things. You wanted to be a Marine, yeah? I did. I did. Yeah. Tell me about that process and why you wanted to be a Marine. Because did you come from a military family? I did not. Um, no, my, my grandpa was a Navy dentist way back in many, many decades ago. But um, other than that, no, I have no family. I didn't really even know much about the military when I got to college. Um, I live, I grew up in a very like bubble community, um, you know, very well off, well to do community in Southern California. And so definitely lived like a more sheltered life and did not have a, a worldly perspective by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, because it's, it's true. It, I can't deny that. And I just so, would like to see it. I would like to see it because now I know you, I know you with this, but I would love to see, I would love you to send me a high school photo, please. Just I'll for send my you, viewing pleasure. I'll send you my cheerleading photo. How's that? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That one always surprises people too. Oh, you shock and awed me there. Oh yeah. That's, that's the real deal. Okay. Okay. Um, can we, can we just take a second and talk about that? Because I can't picture it. I, nobody can. It's, I still laugh when I think about it. Um, basically I stopped gymnastics after eighth grade and going into high school, I wanted to focus on academics, but part of the high school requirement for graduation is two years of physical education. And I had no interest in doing regular PE, but I'd never done any other sports except for gymnastics. So I couldn't really compete on like, you know, the soft softball team or basketball or anything like that. I knew nothing about sports. So um, the only real option I had to do a sport was to do cheerleading because I could apply my gymnastics tumbling skills, but that also required me to do the things that I hate, which were at the time smiling, being cheerful (laughs) and dancing. So wearing a skirt, (laughs) wearing a skirt that all worked out really well for me. No, it didn't. My mom would go to the football games and then afterwards, or she'd be like in the stands and she'd be like gesturing to me to smile because it just (laughs) was not my default. So. So yeah. And you get points for smiling, don't you? I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't remember. I don't know. There's a show on Netflix called Cheer. I've dabbled. Oh, I want to know what. The, probably the competition cheerleading, which is different yeah. than team cheerleading, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. They were, it was a call. It was a college. It was like college colleges. They all compete. Yep. Um, oh, wow. That's a, that's a thing. It was. Yeah. It was a thing. Dude, the amount of hours they put in, I don't even understand how they still had time to study. Yeah. It's like, it's a sport. I mean, debatable, but competition cheerleading is very, competition cheerleading is very athletic. And that's, but the the game, the type of cheerleading that I was doing was for like the, you know, football games and basketball games. And just to say I did a sport for two years and check a box and then move on. It makes it that much better that it wasn't even competitive. Yeah. Because I can imagine your, your competitive soul dying every time you had to do it. Pretty much. Yeah. Especially when we had to like hold the pom-poms and dance and all the choreography it was it was a really is strange there, time in my life <laughs> it was a strange time in my is there a video of this I don't know. oh that's a great question that was before like cell phones were everywhere so well, you might have got lucky maybe oh. but I'll, I'll send you my picture I have I know I have a picture perfect we'll use that as your cover photo all those amazing photos you sent me forget yeah. it forget them forget it it's the cheerleading one I mean were you as jacked back then as you are now no, it was, I wasn't definitely not. I was, I was jacked as a little kid because of gymnastics. 
And then I, when I stopped gymnastics going to high school, I st- you know, I stopped lifting. Cheer didn't really require any of that. So um, I lost a lot of my muscle and I actually got really, really skinny. And like, I, I mean, that's what happens when you stop putting that stimulus on the body, it, your body adapts. So I, st- I lost all my muscle, looked like rail thin. And then I got back into lifting in college and then I started to gain muscle back. So, And lifting in yeah. college, what was that about? How'd you go from, from the pom-poms to that again? Um, goodness. So right at the beginning of college, um, actually right before college, I was working out at a gym in just in my local town. And I met a guy, he became my boyfriend right before I went off to college and he was a bodybuilder. And so I'd go to the gym with him and he would like write little, he would have his workout. He was going to do He'd on a three by five index card. He would write out some exercises for me to do and I would do them. And then at the, after that, that would, you know, we rinse and repeat, we do that a couple times a week. So I learned a little bit about strength training and, and bodybuilding and how to navigate the weight room and all these foreign pieces of equipment that I had never seen before. Um, so I learned that from him and then I really enjoyed it. And then when I got to college, I started to find my way into the weight room and that's where I made a good amount of friends. And obviously when I met Joel and the Marines that that were on campus going through the office, enlisted officer program, they have to, they did PT. So I would join them for PT sometimes. And they were in the weight room too, getting, you know, getting after it and lifting. So, um, it just became like, you know, second home on campus besides my dorm, I would go lift a couple times a week and really fell in love with the process of, of building muscle and, and getting stronger and seeing my body change. And so that's, that's really how I got my start in the weight room was through bodybuilding programs. And then later on several years after, um, like right after I graduated college, I got more into the functional fitness space. What happened? You wanted to be a Marine and how did that all go? What all went happened? So I, my sophomore, well, freshman year of college, I met, I had a, a couple friends that we I met through, I don't even remember how I met them just through like my dorm or whatever. And one of them was an Air Force ROTC. And I didn't even know what ROTC was. But I thought it was he was telling me about the program and what he wanted to do after graduation, becoming an officer and, um, you know, what the Air Force offered. So what is ROTC? Reserve Officer Training Corps. So that is in the United States, that is the program where you can go instead of going to like the Naval Academy or Air Force Academy or West Point, you basically can go to college as long as the college has an ROTC program, you go and live your normal college life. But part of your college credits and coursework is ROTC um, requirements. So you go to drill and you learn, you know, the, the military customs and courtesies, you learn the history of the branch, whatever branch you're planning to go in, you, you kind of get immersed into that the branch of service. And then you do your PT sessions two or three times a week. And then I think it's between sophomore and junior year of college, you go off to your like field training. It was called in the, in the air force or, um, OCS officer candidate school for the Marines. So, um, but it still allows you to get the full college experience, but then when you graduate, you become an officer. So that's what I wanted to do. Um, when I learned about the air force ROTC program from my friend, I thought like, Oh, that'd be cool. Let's, let's see about that. So sophomore year, I, I joined the program um, at the beginning, my first semester. And so I, I started to do all that, wore the uniform, went to PT, took the classes, learned all the Air Force history. And that was the same semester that I met Joel. And, um, so we actually, we met at the gym and he saw his, his pickup line for me was that he saw my Air Force ROTC water bottle. And he was like, Oh, are you going into the Air Force? And I was like, Oh, I'm an ROTC. And he's like, Oh, cool. Well, now how's your PT going? And, it, and I'm a horrible runner, always have been, still am. And I think we started talking about PT and I told him that um, 
I'm, this is my, what I'm working on for my PT stuff. And he was like, Oh, if you ever need a, a running buddy or you want help with running, just let me know. I'm, I'm active duty Marine, blah, blah, blah. So Ruthless. that was that. But, um, anyway, so I, after getting to know him and spending more time with him, this was, we were friends for a year before we even started dating, but just getting to know him and some of his friends in the veteran community. And, um, he of course convinced me quickly that I needed to not become an Air Force officer and instead needed to become a Marine officer. So naturally I was like, well, of course I'm going to join the military. I want to join the best branch. So <laughs> I was brainwashed from a, from a young age. Um, oh. no, but so I, I was, I did my Air Force physical and I was at the same, kind of around the same time was planning to make the transition to Naval ROTC to become um, a Marine officer. And Early on, the second semester of sophomore year, I went through my physical, and I obviously I knew I had this condition. I didn't know that it was disqualifying for the military, but I have ulcerative colitis, which is a form of inflammatory bowel disease. It's basically like the sister of Crohn's disease. Um, symptomatically, they're exactly the same, but Crohn's is uh, small or large intestine, and ulcerative colitis is large intestine only. But it is chronic inflammation of the lining of the gut, and it is very easily exacerbated by stress. And at the time I was, I was sick very often through college. I actually almost had to drop out of college late, you know, towards middle of, I think sophomore year. So around that same time, uh, I was just like always sick. And for me, it was the stress of exams because I, as I said earlier, putting all the pressure on myself to be perfect, get straight A's in my head. I thought if I didn't get perfect grades through college, I wasn't going to get a good job. I wasn't going to be successful in my life. And so it was just like all this pressure in the short and long term to like ace all my tests. And so every semester, like clockwork, midterms, finals, midterms, finals, I would have a flare up. And without, you know, giving too much of the fun details, um, I was in the bathroom constantly 25 times a day, just, it was not pretty blood, all that stuff. Uh, I'll spare, spare the rest of the details, but, um, yeah, that was, that was my, almost my entire college career, like just sick all the time and trying to let, you know, I still ended up with graduating with the honors and Phi Beta Kappa and all that jazz, but, it was, it was a struggle for sure to, to keep it all under control. And I almost didn't. And, but needless to say, I could not join the military for that reason, because the military is a very stressful environment and having that type of condition, obviously that makes perfect sense, but I didn't know it at the time that it was a disqualifying condition for all branches of service. And so they handed me my papers and said, thanks, but no thanks. And that was it. So you spent all that time doing all that work. It was a semester and a half. So, I mean, I, I, I don't regret it. I'm glad I had the experience. And it also, you know, moving into a relationship with Joel later that year, it made me appreciate having experience, you know, the early morning wake-ups and the shining of the shoes and the pressing the uniforms and all that stuff. Like I had a much different perspective and a greater appreciation for what the military does. And then eventually I ended up marrying one. So um, I think it was all, it happened the way it was supposed to happen. And I think, you know, even though I couldn't serve my country in that capacity, it, me early on was very, you know, it was an early catalyst for doing what I am doing now in serving in my role as military spouse, and then also being a business owner and having aspirations to uh, help improve the the health and fitness of our service men, men and women and firefighters and law enforcement. And that's kind of the direction that I would like to eventually go when it comes to um, how I serve and give back in, in my, my field and my capacity. Service is still service, regardless of where you do it. So you're doing it. So that thank you for doing that. And I appreciate that. What's happening with Semper Stronger? What's you mentioned something about firefighters? Tell me, tell me a little bit about the path you're talking with that way. We had this discussion. Yes, we did. So right now, Semper Stronger is it's for anybody and 
everybody who wants to get strong. I mean, that's what we, that's in the name. It's what we're about. It's what I'm about as a person. It's what our business is about. And it's what Joel and I are about as a couple, you know, strength that requires strength to, to get through this type of lifestyle and, and relationship and, and life period requires strength. So that's what we want to do. And that's what we have strived to do since we started the business is just help whoever is interested across the world. And we have a membership where, uh, and we have members from, I don't know, 10, 12 countries around the world um, where people join and, and I post the workouts and people are getting after it wherever they are at home or at the gym or outside. Um, very accessible fitness for the general population. And we will continue to grow that. That is something I, you know, that can be going, it's endless and the scalability is pretty, you know, it's apparent. So that's something we will continue to grow. Um, but my calling, and I, this kind of became clear to me over the last couple of years, uh, what I really feel called to do is to help our, our first responders, our military uh, in the way that I feel best capable of doing so. So through health and fitness, nutrition, like overall wellness, and mindset and all those things that play into a, a warfighter or a uh, first responder being successful at what they do. I think physical fitness is, it has to be part of the conversation. And so um, I've, I'm planning on starting to slowly pivot that, toward that direction. You know, my, my goal is to grow Semper Stronger and hire the right people and have those people in place to continue to grow that mission because it will always be near and dear to my heart, but um, to, to free up some of the times so that I can spend with the population I eventually would like to serve doing for most of my time. So law enforcement, military, uh, firefighters, first responders. Um, that's, that's my goal. I know you've been working towards it. Um, I don't know how much, do you know what I'm speaking of? You told, no, I'll talk about this after. Um, so I'm, I'm excited though, because the, it is needed. And I think the trend of people is going towards working out at home or doing their own thing and having online platforms like yours. You have an app, right? Yes. Okay. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I love that you have an app. You make it, it's, it's a different type of accessibility with it. Absolutely. So we have, uh, like you said, it is the great, the great thing about being online is that accessibility. I never imagined I could have I could be helping people in Lithuania and Croatia and Australia and New Zealand get stronger and Mexico and Puerto Rico. Like that, that's my world right now. And it's, it blows my mind. Every day. It's so crazy. And I love it. And, um, but yeah, so having an app allows me to do that. And so basically what I've done with this app or what Joel and I've done in the, for the community is created uh, a variety of fitness programs. So um, kettlebells are my specialty and that's what I am most um, best equipped to, to coach in. Uh, so I have, I think, five different kettlebell programs. I've got bodyweight programs, bands, TRX, sandbags. Those are coming, probably launching in the next two weeks. Um, so just a lot of different modalities of, of training, but the kind of the underlying thread among all of them is strength. And so wherever you are, whatever equipment you have access to or none, I have bodyweight programs too. So there's there's something for everybody if, if the person wants to get strong. And um, one of the cool things that we've done, that I think also sets us apart is we've built our own exercise library. And as we talked about earlier on the live, like form is so important. And so I want people to know that when they come to Semper Stronger, they're going to have exercise demonstrations. Any, any exercise that I put into a program or a workout is, is accompanied by a video of either Joel or myself demonstrating what it looks like and doing it properly. So there's never a question of what good form looks like. And you don't have to go to YouTube and wonder if Joe Schmo on, on the YouTube channel is telling you how to do something correctly. Like I've, I've spent my entire career and a lot of money on, on certifications and education so that I can be a credible professional in, in my field. And people can come to me knowing that they're going to learn, um, 
the correct way to do things. And, and so what I, I think what I do is like take the guesswork out of it. I write the programs. I, there, I explain in good detail what, what each program is about, who it's for, what the level of difficulty it is. Um, and people can f- kind of choose their own adventure and figure out what's going to be best for them based on their goals and, and what equipment they have access to. So that is kind of how the app works. We also have a resource library that's separate from the app. Eventually, we would like to integrate them both. But um, on the website, like when people sign up for our membership, they get access to their member portal. And in the member portal, they have uh, a variety of resources, infographics that we've created, different video resources. I have a library of kettlebell training videos because I think that's a lot of people come to us for kettlebell training, but there's so much out there when it comes to how to do this exercise or that exercise. And so it's, it breaks down all the basic fundamentals of kettlebell training and step-by-step on how to do them safely. And so you know, hopefully we will eradicate the belief that kettlebell swings are bad for your back or that you're going to hurt yourself if you pick up a kettlebell, because it's not the case and they're better. They're, they're good for more than just being door stoppers. Sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, they're pretty fun. I do enjoy, I do enjoy a good kettlebell. I won't lie. Not currently, but I do. Um, dude, that's awesome. You know, I would love to see, and maybe this is just me being like extra, but like, I would love to see someone like you who blow up in a way there's Kenny, somebody like you who will blow up in a way. And I would love to see you going around to all these different countries where you just have like all these like groups of human beings that you've just made stronger and doing this like tour. I could totally see it. That's, I mean, goals right there. That's, I've, we've talked about doing like local meetups in, in the United States, you know, f- because well, our goal is to eventually travel around and, and be able to teach in-person workshops and whatever, but um, to just have a, a large enough member base where we could go to any city and there will be members there and we can get them together for what's normally our, our zoom workouts. We can do it in person at a park somewhere. Like that's, that would be, that's the dream right there. That'd be cool. Yep. But even, even cooler would be global. Like different countries, but sign me up. That's awesome. I mean, you're already on your way there. What are you talking about? You've got clients all over the place. That's the starting point. You've you planted the flag. Exactly. And it's pretty cool too, because, you know, so much of our, our brand ethos, I guess, comes from like the Marine Corps, U.S. Marines. And, but like to be able to draw people like from other countries who have no connection at all to the U.S. military or Marines or anything, it's pretty cool. Like it transcends that. And that that's, my mind is blown seriously every single day physical fitness. That's right. It does. It's one of the things that does transcend culture. It does transcend language. It does transcend all of these things. Physical fitness is universal. It is a unifier. It is a connector. And that's why it's so awesome to see someone like you doing it because you understand that, that there is a community based to this and there is something for everyone, for absolutely everyone. And I think that's, I think that's great. I could see you doing, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to scale that. I'll, I'll add it to the, uh, the long-term goals list. Let's okay, go. fine. Perfect. Good. Um, I would like to be invited to the first big event. Thank you. Maybe we'll do it in Canada. Okay. Don't do it here. <laughs> yeah, maybe not on second thought. Maybe not <laughs> on, on first thought. Never here. Don't be silly. Go. We'll do it where it's nice and warm and nice freedom loving Texas. Yes. Yeah. That'll be stop. Stop. First stop will be Texas for sure. Okay, good. I'm fine with this. I feel so much better now. But you're, you're known for these, you're really known. We talked about this earlier today, but that I found you on Instagram. I found you through one of our BNU Army um, members that we have a group chat for. And I found you because she lifts and you're in the community. And I didn't realize how connected you were in the community. And it was such a cool thing to see because that was one thing that drew me to you was my mother-in-law is a trainer. 
She's a trainer's trainer. She's somebody who is such a perfectionist when it comes to um, form. It's irritating. She'll be working out with you. I don't work out with her anymore. I don't do it because she's a beast. She scares me. She um, she literally will stop you in the middle of like, she'll be doing her work. And she's like, no, 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 no. Let me fix. Okay. Now tilt here. Okay. Just a little. Okay. There you go. Feel that. That's the difference. That's where it needs to be. And she does that for everything. And God love her. I, I respect the hell out of it. But that's kind of was something that really resonated with me with your Instagram in particular was your form is on point. Thank you. I yeah. think it's, it's so important to, if you, you know, if you can't move the weight safely, then don't move it. Like lighten the load or let's go back to the basics and start from the beginning. Because I think that's where people get confused or they, they skip steps and they try to take the fast track to these big elaborate movements that there's like, you know, 10 steps that have to happen before you can get to either the, the big weights or the, you know, the more advanced movements, the more technical movements. And sometimes people think that they, their exercise selection or their workout plans have to be these crazy fancy things. And the reality is like, that that's just not the case. The basics will always work. You squats, deadlifts, overhead presses, pull-ups, carries, like all the basics you could make, you could do those five, maybe with a couple extra things thrown in here and there, some rotational movement, moving in all the planes of motion, doing a few single leg exercises, but like those things will always, always, always be good and effective. And so I think people try to overcomplicate it or, you know, like I said before, skip steps and, and try to just do the cool stuff that looks fun and, and sexy on Instagram, but that it's just not, it's not it. Not real. Not Instagram's it. not real. It, the, the, I saw a post, I've seen a lot of people post it in, in the fitness community. It's like if personal trainers posted what they actually do for their workouts, like we wouldn't, nobody would care because they'd be so bored. They would just keep scrolling. But that's why I think, and, and you know, the, the dopamine hits, like we, we would just want the people to think that our stuff is so cool and fancy and like everyone's trying to outdo the next person. So we just have to come up with the, cr- the next craziest thing. And I think that's just not really helpful to anybody. So that's why I, I try to like get, get rid of the noise and just stick to the basics and, um, and it can be fun. There's, there's ways to make it fun. It doesn't have to be boring, but I think the, the importance of moving well and moving with good form in the gym so that when you go and do those movements outside the gym, which is why I think functional fitness and functional training is so important um, because it transfers to life outside the gym. So that's my take. Yeah. It's funny. Instagram is always great. I, I fucking love how, Oh God. Yeah. We could oh. do a whole podcast on that. Dude, you could do a whole podcast on Instagram fitness influencers alone. Oh yeah. Your head would explode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I it's, it's impressive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I'm not impressed. I'm impressed, but that doesn't look functional and that looks painful. And I don't like the way you're bending your knees when you're doing that. There's a guy that I follow that, uh, I've been chatting with and I, I do hope to have him on the show soon. It's the knees over toes guy. Yep. I'm familiar with that. He was on Joe Rogan. Yeah. He's cool. Um, I really, I've, I actually used, uh, some of his exercises because I've had knee surgery. So like the rebuilding all the, all the tiny muscles and and the quad, the weight bends. And anyway, it was really interesting. I was wondering what your take is on, on that type of stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I'll admit, I don't know like everything about what he, he's about. I know he's very big on the sled, um, which mm-hmm. I think is a great tool. So, um, that's, you know, I listened to him on Joe Rogan. I agreed with a lot of what he was saying and I, yeah, I think it's, it's sound. I'll look forward to hearing what he has to say when you interview him. 
I know. I got to go down to him for that one. That one's uh, yeah, he's great. He's, it's really interesting just because it's when you watch his Instagram videos and you actually see him just the way he can springboard off things. I'm like, oh, my Achilles. Oh, my knees. Everything just looks like it's painful, but it's impressive to see um, when people really put effort into their body, what it's capable of, like longevity wise. So what do you do? That's your favorite. What would be out of everything that you enjoy doing the most physically for fitness? That would be your favorite. Like my one favorite exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I love this question. I get this question a lot. And oh well then I hate it. I hate it that I asked it. No, no it's a good question. I, I think it's it's a hard, hard one to answer because there's so much value to so many different exercises. Um, I think when it comes to like I guess favorite and best would, would maybe be two different things, but um Okay, so give me give I me really, give me one of each. I think Your favorite and best. I think that the best exercise for that most people should be doing, and apparently this is now controversial as of like a month ago, but the Turkish getup is, are you familiar with Turkish getups? Yeah. But why is it controversial? It, it wasn't uh, for a long time. I think most fitness professionals agreed that it was a good sound, solid exercise. And that's, that is my belief. But um, about a month ago or six weeks ago, some people started ruffling some feathers in the, in the kettlebell community, especially um, saying that it was overrated and it was not really that beneficial. I disagree. I think it's a great exercise. I think from a, it, it's, it's good for a lot of different reasons. You can use that as an, because it incorporates so many different um, movement pl planes of motion movement patterns. I think that there's a lot of ways to use it as an assessment tool. So if, if you have someone do one rep of a get up on each side, you can identify a lot of asymmetries and balances weak muscles, things that aren't firing correctly. So as a, you know, as a coach who looks for those types of things with a client, those are things I'm looking for. Um, and, and then also just because it's, it's strength, um, you can assess strength, you can, or use it for strength. Stability requires a tremendous amount of core stability and shoulder stability and core strength, um, and moving in different directions, different planes. You go from lying on the ground to standing up with a weight over your head. I think you can do that. There's, it's probably a, a an indication there's you're ready for a lot of different other types of exercises, more advanced types of exercises. So I think it's a really great assessment tool. I think it incorporates a lot of good different elements of fitness. So time under tension, strength, stability, mobility. Um, so, and, and you know, you can program it different ways. You can go really heavy, you can go lighter and, and, you know, add, add things to it. So anyways, uh, I think that's one of the best exercises. Um, as far as my favorite, that is one of my favorites too, but if I had to choose one. I would probably, it's probably got to be like a heavy, something heavy, heavy deadlift, heavy clean. I just love the heavy stuff. And so if I could only do one for the rest of my life, it would, it would be probably a heavy deadlift or heavy clean. Really? I like, I like pull-ups too, but yeah. I mean, look at the pipes on you guys. If you're not watching, you've come on, you need to go watch <laughs> on YouTube. Look at those things. It's fucking terrifying. It's the light. The lighting's good. It's the, oh yeah. It's super the light. Every time she just moves her arm, it's like, Oh my God. It's impressive, dude. I love it. You should be super proud of yourself and the ability of where you've, you know, the, sorry, the reality of where you've come as a pom-pom holding cheerleader to oh, yes. the beast machine that you are now. Thank you. It's been quite a journey, many, many years. And, and that's the other thing, I mean, to come kind of on the tangent, but I think it's relevant to our conversation is that, mm -hmm. that especially with the Instagram and social media stuff, like people think that it's, there's quick fixes that there's, you know, fast tracks to fitness and abs or whatever the goal is. Like the reality is it, there's no, there's no shortcut. If there, there's no shortcut, there's no secret pill, magic, anything. And because if there was, we wouldn't need all of these people advertising this, that, and the other thing, like there is no shortcut. There is no secret. It just takes a lot of years of consistency and hard work. And 
that's, that's how you get there. So anyone who tries to sell you anything that tells you otherwise is lying to you. And that's another reason why it's in summer stronger. Like you're never going to see us doing six week challenge to summer body. Like, no, we want, our motto is strong for life. And that means strong for your whole life. Like start now. It doesn't matter if you're 15 or 65 or 80, like you can always start now and work to get stronger for the remainder of your life. And then being strong. So you can show up as a strong individual for all aspects of your life. And so we're not doing like six week summer shred, get ripped now challenges. Like that's not what we're about. So that's just me. I mean, there are people that love that and whatever works for you, that's fine. But that's, I'm very, I'm very passionate and very adamant about what I stand for and what I don't stand for. Yeah, I can see. I get fired up about this stuff. No, good. Get fired up. Good. Be that way because then maybe people won't get hurt. Maybe people won't get ripped off. Maybe people will actually start to pay attention to their bodies and care about their bodies. And if they do it in a way where they have a good first impression or a good starting point or somebody that is going to help them on their journey rather than hurt them, get fired up about it. You're one of the good people. That's not a bad thing. Thanks. Appreciate you. You're welcome, kid. Can you do me a favor? And tell everyone how, number one, if they want to sign up for one of your programs, where they go and how they do that, where they can find you and stalk you on social media like I do. And then, you know, anything else that I've totally missed that we should be having a discussion about. I think we covered all the all the good stuff. Um, I'm, I'm an open book and I, I always will happily connect with people if they reach out to me. I, I answer all of my DMs except for the creepy ones. Those get deleted. But yeah. <laughs> um, I really, I just, I love connecting with people. So I, I'm always happy to, to engage and answer questions and what have you on, on the gram. But as far as fitness programming and all of, all of the good strength stuff, that's going to be on my website at semperstronger.com. We also have an Instagram for Semper Stronger, which is at Semper Stronger. My personal Instagram is at Rebecca.Rouse, R-O-U-S-E, like house with an R. Um, been saying that my whole life. Love it. And I think that's pretty much it. So that, that's all the good stuff. Um, and I'm also when people, a lot of people will reach out to me and say like, how do I know which program is the best for me? Like send me a DM. I will happily walk you through where to start. Our membership's great too, because, uh, with the gold membership, all of our programs are included. So a lot of people like that route, you can kind of try a couple out, see if you see which one is best for you. And there's no additional cost for, uh, the fit the, the signature programs if you are a gold member. So I love it. That makes sense. So glad you came on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Nah, you're so welcome, darling. Well, um, listen, we'll be talking with you soon. Again, I'm sure you are a new Brass and Unity ambassador, so we're super happy to have you as a part of the team. Yes, woman, get it. And uh, more than willing to help support in anything else that you do. And I know our listeners will as well. So everybody, we'll make sure to put those links in the bio. Please go give her a follow. Give her some love. Get on the program. Get healthy. Just get stronger for life. Thank you so much for coming. And we will see you all next week.